Go. I'm Bailey. And I'm Oliver. Hi, listeners. This is... I'm Bailey. And I'm Oliver. Wait, what? What? Survivor <laughs> Team, go! <laughs> Survivor Team, go! Ah! Wait, elbows. There. Song. Oh my goodness. Uh, shout out to our one listener, Molly. Hey, Molly. Hi, Molly. Thanks for listening to Thanks our for show. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you're still listening, I don't know. We appreciate you. We do appreciate you. We Guess what, Molly? We are getting new mics. We are getting new mics <laughs> right now. And it's going to be easier to understand the things Oliver says because he's going to have his own mic. I'm going to have my own mic with a real pop filter instead of a sock. It's a clean one this time. And it's going to be closer to his face, so you'll be able to hear everything everyone is saying soon. Oh, we can't... Don't touch the thing. This this all makes noises. Move your laptop off the table. Oh, no. Okay. Try not to touch the table, because all the bangs from last time. Don't let your laptop touch the table. I don't want Cheerio to walk on it. There were a lot of bangs last time. There were a lot of bangs Sorry, last guys. time. Sorry about that. It was uh, Oliver's that was my fault, bad. probably. We just assume everything is Oliver's fault. I think it was like, I was having real trouble like reaching the mic with my face last time, and I kept like banging the table with my, my chest. It's at like chest height. I don't know. We're on the floor, and it's a coffee table. Soon, we're going to have our own mics, though. Yeah. And not, real mic stands, little tripod Not one things. shared mic. I got a tax refund. Yay! I could pay rent and get mics. Great. I had to pay 400 and something dollars in taxes this month, so... Indi- independent contracting. Independent contracting and Obamacare. Thanks, Obamacare. I do, I do appreciate you, Obamacare. We wouldn't have insurance without it. I wouldn't have insurance without you. And even though most doctors in Missouri don't take Obamacare, it does still pay for my prescriptions. So that's nice. Have you seen that Vine where Obama's in the study in the White House and he picks up a chocolate chip cookie and he tries to dip it in his glass of milk and it's too big for the glass of milk and he looks really disappointed and he says... He says, thanks, Obama. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen that. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) Because everything's his fault. It's so good. He has, he's so charming. He, I okay. just like, stop making me like you. So, big news today. Wait, how are you this week, Oliver? What? How I'm fine. I'm fine. Nothing bad has ever happened in my life. I got followed up the stairs on Friday, last oh, Friday yeah. by our creepy fucking landlord. We're being stalked by our landlord now. He called me at like 1230 in the morning one night. Yeah. And didn't leave a message. No. Creepy ass shit. And then the lights went off in our apartment. <laughs> and we and thought I, it was him. You guys, I have PTSD. So, like, the lights went off in our apartment, and then our dog started freaking out and barking, and Oliver was out, like, eating waffles with his friend. And I called Oliver, and I was like, come home right now. Steve, we're under attack. Steve is coming for us. He cut the lines, and he's coming for us. And I was just, like, freaking out. And then I called my mom, 
because I still do that whenever I'm upset, even though it doesn't make any sense and there's nothing she can do. And she was like, well, are you sure the power's not out for the whole apartment? And I was like, no, the lights are still on in the hallway. And she's like, those could be emergency lights. And I was like, they're not. Steve is coming for us. Yeah, I came home immediately, and it was actually the po- we were like, wait, why is this power light, this traffic light out? Yeah, no, the power was out on the whole block, so it was <laughs> just me. I thought it was him too, um, though. I was like, he's definitely doing this, and I was scared, but I was trying not to be scared and trying to be angry instead. No, like, don't. We I, can't bang on the table. That's I, the banging. If I see him, I'm gonna. Uh, I don't know. Like I. Well, I had like I was just about to get in the bath, so I was naked, but I put on my like kimono dressing gown. I saw that it and was somewhere I had on the like floor. A, like mace in one hand and like a f- camper lantern in the other. I was just like ready for the attack to come. Ready to s- for survival. I was ready to hit Steve with a faux metal plastic camping lamp. It's really cute. And then mace him in the face. It's like a pastel green color. We have cute shit. But it, we didn't do that. It wasn't him. Because it wasn't him. But I did get to tell, warn our neighbor about him. Yeah. Because they were all outside. Anyway. So that was fine in the end. I did get a migraine the next day. Yeah. So that was less fine. Because anxiety. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Who cares? It's all fine. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's fine, you guys. We got some good news today. What's well, our... Well, today, yesterday... What's our good news? That Bill Cosby was found guilty. Yes. And the Golden State Killer, a.k.a. the original Night Stalker, a.k.a. the East Area Rapist, was caught. Yes. Yes. It's very exciting. I saw the Bill Cosby news pop up on the iPad that we use as our register at work today. And I was like, what? It's, I have to tell Bailey immediately. It's pretty great. We're marking two big targets off the rapist board. Yep. We have a secret board Two of rapists. serial rapists. Serial Two rapists. serial rapists down. Yeah. That's good. That's real good. It's excellent progress. Good work, you guys. For the survivor team. Go, survivor team, go. Cheerio uh, comes running. Cheerio. She's like, dog. I'm on the survivor team, too. She gets upset when we high five. She does. We're going to keep doing it, though. You're a good girl. April 26th, 2018, NPR. Heard on All Things Considered, Bill Cosby found guilty of all charges in sexual assault retrial. Woo! 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 Yeah! Awesome. All right. A Pennsylvania jury has found Bill Cosby guilty of three counts of aggravated indecent assault, setting up the comic legend for the possibility of years of imprisonment for drugging and sexually violating a woman 14 years ago on a couch in his Cheltenham, Pennsylvania home. Well, he's 80 years old. He now faces a statutory maximum of 30 years in prison. Andrea Constand told the jury about the night in January 20, 2004. Fighting back tears, Montgomery County District Attorney Kevin Steele said during a post-trial press conference that Constand taking the witness stand and confronting Cosby for the second time was a feat of strength. Her quiet, quote, her quiet courage and her actions through this have helped victims stand up and tell what happened to them, Steele said. And I think now there's tremendous awareness of how these crimes have been covered up and papered over for years. She's a hero. She is a hero. Hero of the pod. Andrea Constand. This case was about trust, Steele told jurors in his opening remarks. This case is about betrayal, and that betrayal leading to the sexual assault of a woman named Andrea Constand. I know kind of what people are going to, what people have said about her, what people are going to say about her, what people say about women like her. 
like, which is that they're stern, mean women, like, and it's a witch hunt, and they're they're vindictive, and can't they just let it go? And, like, that's what it seems like. But, like, she's a hero because the trauma of being, like, attacked and your trust being betrayed in the way of, like, rape and abuse and sexual assault is just so... It's just so... It's, like, it just carves out a hole in you. And then you... Facing that person is like facing a nightmare. Quoting from the article further, (laughs) during jury selection, the judge asked hundreds of potential jurors whether their feelings about hashtag MeToo would get in the way of being a fair fact finder in the Cosby case. Almost none said they were unaware of the cultural movement. Prosecutors never mentioned hashtag MeToo to jurors during trial, but the defense team made an unsubtle attack on it when lawyer Kathleen Bliss told the panel that, quote, when you join a movement based mostly on emotion and anger, you don't change a damn thing. Adding that mob rule is not due process. Yeah, right? Adding that mob rule is not due process. She compared the dozens of accusations against Cosme to a witch hunt and a lynching. Well. That's very problematic. Yes, agreed. We'll just leave that. We'll just leave that there. Okay. I... We expressed our opinions about Bill Cosby at the last episode. Please see episode number three. Yeah. In other Survivor news... uh, the Golden State Killer. The Golden State Killer's finally been arrested. Bailey just showed me a really great uh, video from the... It was really touching. Um, what's his name? Interviewing Patton, Patton, Patton Oswalt. Oswalt. Seth Meyers. Seth Meyers interviewing Patton Oswalt on The Late Show or whatever about um, Love Patton his Oswalt. wife, Michelle McNamara's book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which was about her lifelong like mission to get... Uh, the East Area Rapist, the original Night Stalker, who she coined the term. She was the one, I think, that coined the term the Golden State Killer. And she died really suddenly, and she was pretty young, and um, he, like, finished her book. Is that what you said? He finished her book? Yeah, writing her book? He, he didn't necessarily, I don't think, finish writing her book, but he got some other people to, like, finish writing it, and he got it published and stuff. So it's it really, I, yeah. from the excerpt that he read on the Seth Meyers, late show with Seth Meyers, he's, it's really well written. It's beautiful. Yeah, she like ends, Michelle McNamara ends the book with a letter, like a letter to an old man. And it's a letter that she wrote to the Golden State Killer. And she's like, one of these days, the cops are going to come knocking on your door. And, you know, she says some other cool stuff. And then she's like, you said to one of your victims... You'll be silent forever. You'll be silent forever, and I'll be gone in the dark. Step into the light. And there, and he is. Yeah. Here he is. Stepping into the light. Joseph James D'Angelo. A former cop. A former cop. He shoplifted. Further evidence that all cops are bastards. Yep. Most cops. Most cops. Let's not say all cops. It's just, no, it's a saying. It's just a saying. Okay. S-E-A-P. He shoplifted a can of dog repellent and a hammer from a suburban Sacramento pay-and-save in 1979, costing him his job as a police officer in Auburn, California. Dog repellent? Yeah. It's like a mace, like bear mace or whatever, I think. I don't know. I don't actually know. I'm just guessing. So D'Angelo is a 72-year-old man from Citrus Heights, California. He's been charged with eight murders. In three California counties, police suspect he committed at least four other murders and 50 rapes. He terrorized Sacramento in the late 1970s. Everybody knows about him. So this is what we know according to the Sacramento Bee. According to NPR.org, according to the Sacramento Bee, uh, this is what we know about Joseph D'Angelo. 
He was born in New York State and graduated from high school east of Sacramento. He enlisted in the Navy and fought in Vietnam. Vietnam oh, vet. well. He returned and got a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. There's a pattern there. From 1973 to 76, he worked as a police officer in Exeter, California, close to the city of Visalia, which in 1974 and 75 was terrorized by 85 burglaries and a murder, a series of crimes attributed to a perpetrator known as the Visalia Ransacker. So I guess we're saying maybe that was him. In 1976, D'Angelo became a police officer in Auburn, California, until his termination for shoplifting. He married in 1973, later divorced, and was living with a daughter and granddaughter until he was arrested this week. Cool. Ugh, he's gross. Yeah, he looks disgusting. He looks like a monster. He looks like my dad. (laughs) He does a little bit. That, like, weird, sad, unfocused eyes. Uh, they said there was a break in the case. Authorities said there was a break in the case six days ago, but they haven't revealed how they came to suspect the former police officer. A man who worked with him for years told the Sacramento Bee that D'Angelo was a regular Joe, except that he never smiled. Hmm. Neighbors told the Bee differing accounts of whether D'Angelo seemed normal, but many mentioned he had a very short temper. His recent criminal record shows nothing major. Police waited outside D'Angelo's house for days, monitoring the retirees' movements, the Associated Press reports. Authorities finally moved in and arrested him without incident at his home in the Sacramento suburb of Citrus Heights. D'Angelo told the officers that he had a roast in the oven, and they told him they'd take care of it. Okay. Step into the light! I mean, did you let... Leave your roast in the oven. Anybody else finish their roast? I don't know. No, I think you were just a horrible fucking rapist that killed a bunch of people. Yeah. It's interesting to wonder, like, the... I think they're saying on Twitter that some of the cops are actually crediting Michelle McNamara with helping find him. Helping find him, yeah. Wow. And, and it's like can't be coincidence that they find him after like forty fucking years. Right when after her book right comes after out. her book becomes like a bestseller, like yeah. they must they must have had some idea of who he was for a long time. I bet. Yeah. And they were just like, I don't know. Then the increased pressure. I mean, that's the case with a lot of these guys is they sort of know who they are or they have like good suspects and all it would take would be like a little bit of good police work to figure it out especially considering he was like was a cop yeah you know they like to protect their own though exactly so maybe they didn't make it quite as much of a priority as they could have i don't know i don't know there's no proof of that just saying it seems like he was pretty easy to catch in the end. In the end. Living with his daughter and his granddaughter. We're highly suspicious of the motivations of the police. Yeah. Well, two down, a whole bunch more to go. Still, good news. Good news, good news. Good news, survivors. Times are times they are a change in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to quote that song, but I can't do it. Uh, do you have a survivor to tell us about today, Oliver? Yes. Yes, I do. Do you have any other survivor news? I, I don't. I was, I was really excited that when I saw that little thing about like Bill Cosby on the uh, work, the cash, cash register iPad thing, uh, and that was going to be my contribution, but you already knew about it. And Yep. 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 That was my contribution. The end. Lots of sad old men going to prison. I wish we could get some of the younger ones. Yep. It would be nice if we could also, you know... We're working on it, but, like, preventing people from raping. Yeah. Be like, don't I mean, this rape. Is, this is the thing. This is why you can't just let it go. This you podcast. can't be like, oh, you're, like, 72, whatever. It doesn't matter now. Like, 
because that you is ruined people's lives. Signal that's sending a signal to people that they can get away with it. Yeah. That as long as you're old and pathetic enough, nobody will hold you accountable for the shit that you did when you were young, and that's like not okay. Nope. I don't know. Whatever. I'm proud of everybody that got all of them. Tell us about Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. My boy, Patrick Stewart. He's so cute. I re- I really like uh, Star Trek, and I really like recording? the X Men. Yeah, I've been checking on it. Okay, good. I really like Star Trek, and I really like the X Men. I'm a nerd, but I'll, um, so I like Patrick Stewart anyway. He's like cool. Everybody likes Patrick Stewart. Sir, Sir, Sir Patrick, Sir Patrick, um, and uh, I think Bailey was the one who told me years ago that she had found out that uh, he had like done a lot of like philanthropy philanthropic work for um, domestic violence charities in the UK and internationally. And uh, some quote that she heard that I've never been able to track down on NPR where he was saying like, well, I'm a white man um, and I have a lot of privilege as, a, as such, like people listen to what I have to say. So, you know, as a white man, I'm saying, you know, that uh, we need to do something about domestic violence he said that he was going to use his white male privilege to try to change the culture. And I was like, to be heard, because people would listen to him that wouldn't listen to other people. Yeah, and I thought that was beautiful. Um, it's yeah. a very, very Diamond Joe Biden type of thing to say. Men of a certain generation who were like, well, I'm going to change minds, sort of. <laughs> He's, I don't know. There's a lot to love about Patrick Stewart. Um that I want to talk about, like, all of these, all of this cute shit. But first, first let me tell you that, uh, what he's a survivor of. There's some articles that I read doing research for this, and um, he always says kind of this, it's hard to find out more information, but, like, he, because he, he always kind of says the same thing about um, his childhood. He, he had a really, uh, he, his father was, like, um, a veteran, um, and he beat his mother, and he... Uh, a veteran of what? He was a veteran of World War Two, I think. Oh, bummer. Um, and he he like moved up in the ranks during the wars. It's apparently a lot of people who served with him apparently was like, oh, he was such a hero. He's so brave. But I mean, I don't care. I guess I don't know. Patrick Stewart has a lot of sympathy for his father. I think uh, over the years, like he softened in his views. He's like, oh, my pop, my father was suffering from PTSD. I'm gonna also do work for PTSD support, and I think that that's a good idea. But I mean, I think we need support for the abusers. Yeah. Too. I I mean, I agree with that. I just, just um, practically speaking, to end the way that he talks about his father, I think is very relatable for a person who is a survivor of like domestic abuse by a parent, you know, like, because he's, like, talks about how he looked up to his father and all of these things, but he's also terrified of his father. And he would um, come home, his father would come home from the pubs on Friday nights, and he would, he would listen to for his voice singing as he walked home. Certain songs were reassuring. I'll take you home again, Kathleen, I'll walk beside you. But army songs were not a good sign, and worst of all was silence. When I could only hear footsteps, it was a signal to be super alert. He says a lot of things that it remind me of what Bailey has witnessed uh, when uh, neighbors would call the cops on them or the, you know, the emergency services, uh, and the cops would say things to his mother like, oh, well, she must have provoked him, or, oh, Mrs. Stewart, it takes two to make a fight. Yeah, I heard that in 
the same thing. I don't remember what it was. The same thing where he said, I'm going to use my white privilege or whatever. I also read him saying, like, it takes two to make a fight, Mrs. Stewart. And he was like, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I was like, oh, my God, that's my life. Being like, it doesn't take two to make a fight. Yeah. It doesn't. (laughs) He says, they had no idea. The truth is my mother did nothing to deserve the violence she endured. She did not provoke my father. And even if she had, violence is an unacceptable way of dealing with conflict. What does provoke even fucking mean? Yeah. And he says, oh, this part made me cry. All right. So he says no one ever came to help. He said he felt guilt and loneliness. There was a lot of shame. He felt tainted. He walked to school with his head down, praying he would not encounter a neighbor or school friend who had heard the weekend's rouse. And he says no one helped him. And then he says, very occasionally, one person would come to our aid. Mrs. Dixon, our next door neighbor, the only person who would stand up to my father. She would throw open the door and stand before him, bosom bursting and her mighty weaver's forearm raised in his face. Come on, Alf Stewart, she would say. Have a go at me. He never did. He calmed down and went to bed. Now I wish I could take Lizzie Dixon's big hand in mine and thank her. That's really sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think about that a lot. I don't know. I um, have a go at me. And then he, at the end of the thing, he like starts shilling for uh, uh, this organization. He's like, donate. Just donate a little bit every year. Oh, no, no. That's not what he's doing. I'm sorry. I misread this. I have read this before, and I'm misreading it now. Um, oh, God. This is some, he cites some really horrible statistics. One in four women will experience domestic violence at some point in her lifetime. Every week, two women are killed by a current or former partner in England and Wales. Ten women take their own lives as the only way they know how to escape a violent partner. You are almost certainly paying for it. Domestic violence costs about 26 billion pounds a year in medical, legal, and housing costs. I think also, I'm not sure if this is, I'm 100% sure if this is correct, but I think a billion means something bigger in the UK than it does in America, because I think the way that they do a billion is like a million million instead of a thousand million. He says, oh, he says something really good here. This violence is not a private matter. Mm-hmm. Behind closed doors, it is shielded and hidden, and it only intensifies. It is protected by silence. Everyone's silence. Hmm. That sounds familiar. Yep. It's like it's a universally true. Crazy. Um, and he then he starts talking about Refuge, the UK's national domestic violence charity, which he's been campaigning for for a long time. And he's very great. He's great. He's great. I, I love Patrick Stewart so much. One time, okay, one of, and during my research, one of the videos, one of the things that I did was I watched this video that I found on YouTube which I knew about, but I'd forgotten about, and I stumbled across it again. He's at a con, and um, there are people asking questions, and this one woman, um, you, you hear this woman ask the question, you know, so I heard about your, you know, like your, your, your um, activism work for Amnesty International, which he also did a campaign, an anti-domestic violence campaign for Amnesty International, uh, and she was asking about that. She was like, oh, you said you were, uh, that your father was uh, really violent and then he beat your mother and like you, you're, what's, I was just wondering, what are you most proud of, was her question. And he looks really um, serious um, and kind of like, I, I said, I'm guessing that he did not particularly expect to be asked this at like a, a nerdy 
you know, sci-fi comic book convention. But he, uh, he looks very serious, and he takes the question very seriously, and he says uh, a lot of the same things that he said in his, in his campaign videos. Um, you know, my, fi- my father beat my mother. They think that the violence is never an acceptable... Like, she never provoked him. She never provoked... He always sounds so emphatic. He's like, she never provoked him. He just never did anything to deserve this. And um, in his deep voice full of gravitas, which you always sort of automatically sort of like go, oh, yeah. Saying something important right now. Whatever you say, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Whatever you say, I think, I think you must be right. And uh, and he and he's very gets very passionate about it. It's, and uh, just moving his his his, his head, is shaking, shaking his head. Um, never did anything to deserve it. And then he says, um, "Are you are, are you okay?" To to the woman in the audience, and she says, "Well, I, I mean, I'm fine now. I'm doing better now." And um, so that's great. And then, and then the camera, whoever is like recording the video on their phone, like it, she comes into view and he hugs her, and she's wearing like a Starfleet uniform <laughs> and just looks like a little dork. And she's so wonderful and is and and brave. And she asked him this great question, and uh, and he he looks I don't know it's just really touching he he like smiles for the first time in the video because he's serious for the whole thing and then he asks her if she's okay and and then he hugs her and he smiles and I don't know he's I think he like says something uh like that you that the microphone doesn't catch that doesn't pick up to to her um and yeah and they move on yeah, but it's 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 just beautiful it's gorgeous I love it that's really sweet I have another anecdote <laughs> okay. Okay, so I uh, I used to semi obsessively listen to this podcast called The Nerdist, which apparently has changed its name. It's called something else now, but it used to be called The Nerdist, and they would interview famous people, comedians, and musicians, and um, nerdy celebrity people. And I they did one that was like the guy who runs the podcast recorded himself moderating a panel, which was Patrick Stewart and his son. Uh, Daniel Stewart, talking about Star Trek, talking about acting, talking about other stuff. Patrick Stewart was talking about how uh, he was he was like not a very fun person to work with for like the first year of filming Star Trek. That he was like a pain in the ass and like did not have a sense of humor and called a meeting at one point of all of the actors of Star Trek and was like, stop fooling around. This, the crew members have families to get home to. They're working really hard. They take their job seriously. You need to stop fooling. You, I just banged my hand. Sorry about that. That probably didn't sound like that on the mic. You need to stop goofing around. You need to take this job seriously. And they were kind of like, oh, okay, cool. And um, eventually he lightened up. But uh, he was like uh, say, talking to his son. He was like saying, hey, "Dan, you remember this sort of, you know, this sort of mindset that I had?" And Dan was like, "I'm familiar." And uh, uh, he was like, "I was a very dour, dour person. I grew up in a very dour part of uh, Yorkshire and in, in England or whatever." And um, Dan was like, "Yeah, I don't know. It's the yeah. I remember you feeling like this. It's indelibly etched into my into my brain and my backside." And Patrick Stewart, peace to you, uh, he cannot eat, let that go. He can't even, like, allow there to be a joke about spanking his child. 
in like all in good fun that he didn't really mean. He's like, no, no, I I was not a violent father. I had a violent father. And he just sort of moves on. But like I just it stuck with me and I like found it today and I was like, oh hey, there it is. No, I I was not a violent father. I had a violent father. It's very good. He's a sweet he's a sweet man. He's like um seventy seven. Oh my god, I didn't realize he's he really that old. old. He looks really good. Mm-hmm. Also, he had alopecia when he was 19 and lost all his hair. I have so many fun facts oh, now. Oh, that's why he doesn't have any hair. Yeah. I thought he might have alopecia, but I didn't know. He lost all his hair. He was like, I'll never date again. No woman will ever be interested in me. He's looked up to uh, Ian McKellen since, like, around that age also. <laughs> he was talking on one of the podcasts I was listening to today as part of the research about how, like, basically about how fine Ian McKellen is. About his giant crush on Ian McKellen. Did you know Ian McKellen married him? I did know that. You're supposed to say what? He officiated his wedding, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Sonny Ozell. Oh, sorry. Was I supposed to... Was that bait I was supposed to take? You were supposed to take the bait. You're supposed to be like, You are supposed to take the bait. They're not married. What? My uh, ex-boyfriend told me that. He's like, did you know Patrick Stewart... Uh, Mar- or that, did you know that Ian McKellen married Patrick Stewart? I was like, what? I thought Patrick Stewart was straight. They got married, finally it happened. We're not all as gullible as you. What do you think about Patrick Stewart? What? Patrick Stewart married Sir Ian McKellen? <laughs> no, the other way around. Although I do think that if Ian McKellen gets married, Patrick Stewart should perform the ceremony and then we, they married each other. I think that uh, Patrick Stewart's cool. I think it's somewhat problematic that you're featuring a white man on our Survivor podcast. Is it? I'm I'm joking. Mm-hmm. I'm joking. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Thank I'm you. Joking. Should I not have said it to to Ross? Still, I'm I'm we, really hurt. We had some uh, unsolicited criticism of. <laughs> I was thinking about Oliver doing Anthony Rapp next time, criticism. and a friend of mine was like, that's a lot of white men in a row, and I got really... Um, white person defensive? Yeah. I do a lot of men. I think it's okay. I'm okay with doing a lot of men, because I feel like it's an important thing to talk about survivors like being... like. Pe- like people who have been raped being not just women, being like any gender of people. Well, I'll tell you one thing. What? I'm never going to fucking do a man on this podcast. I mean, that's fine. We're going to do a man, period. Uh, uh, hey. Jokes aside. <laughs> Survivors can be any gender, as can rapists and abusers and, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's definitely true. Too many women get away with uh, being rapists and abusers because they're women. And like, like I, the the woman, pedophile, I think it's underreported. The female pedophile is massively underreported. Yeah. Like there are women pedophiles, and we need to take all the pedophiles I mean, down. We need to take them all down. Johnny Depp's always like, "Oh, I lost my virginity when I was twelve. She was twenty-one. It was uh, it's kind of underwhelming. That's pedophilia. And I'm like, that's gross. No wonder you're fucked up, Johnny Depp. Yeah. Sorry, that was survivor judgment. But he beats his girlfriend, wife. I mean, I we know. found out some, it was like a similar uh, like thing where like Chris Brown brags about losing his virginity when he was eight to a 12-year-old girl. And it's like, well, that's, that's not losing your virginity. Definitely. That's, that's not good. 
like she'd been sexually abused. Yeah. She's also a child, but Yeah. Something's wrong there. Is that's the thing. terrible. Yeah, that's a Yeah. Anyway. I like Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart is He's cool. He's I've lovely. always admired Patrick Stewart's passion for changing the culture of domestic violence and the culture of silence. It's like the main thing that he does. It's yeah. like he doesn't do like environment stuff that much. I don't know. He just he's like he does he this. He was one of the first he was one of the first men who were like uh, you know, figures. I mean, he's like been knighted in Europe and stuff. I don't know. He was like a recognizable man for me. Who like yeah. was actively speaking out against domestic violence? One I mean, of the first ones I ever and people encountered. People take his his whole voice and his whole yeah. s- like everything seriously. Like he's like a Shakespearean actor with. Okay, maybe yeah, stop know. trying to do your Patrick Stewart. I just I don't know. He does that thing. He's yeah. got like that Morgan Freeman gravitas thing. I guess he does for me. He was Captain Picard. I was a little kid. I imprinted. You imprinted a little bit more than I did, I think. But you I didn't do, watch Star Trek growing it was, up. <laughs> it was very important. It was very important for me being like the first man person that I recognized from as a political figure, sort of, you know, a pop culture figure. Who a was cultural like, figure. A cultural figure who was like, you know, domestic violence is bad. And I was like, oh. Some men do think domestic oh, violence is bad. Oh, the other there's it's another sad thing about the abuse. Conspiracy. He would, he would calculate, he would wait. He didn't. I mean, he would he would cal- he talks about how he would like calculate very specifically. Like his father never hit him. Um, it was like a line that he drew for himself. But he um, his father never hit him, so he would. But he would beat his mother, you know, like crazy, and he. Patrick Stewart would wait for the opportune time to just sort of shove his body in there, his little child body in the way of the blows and to make it stop. And that's just, he was, he's, he's always says whenever he talks about that, he always says that's never something a child should be like considering. That's never something that, that a child should be, should have to go through. I used to do that all the time when I was a kid. Yeah. My dad would be like beating my brother. He would be beating my mom and I would like, Either I would wrap my arms around his neck and start hanging off his back, because usually I couldn't get in between him and them, or I would get in between him and them, and I would be like, stop it, leave her alone. And then my mom would be like, get out of here, Bailey, and she would grab me by the arm and twist my arm behind my back and throw me towards the door. And Yeah, no, that's, yeah. You're, yeah. I've never heard worse, I've really rarely heard worse stories uh, than the ones you tell, and also rarely heard like bra- like more like a, about more of a braver little kid. I can't believe like the shit you did. I was a pretty brave little kid. Tbh, just a little lion hearted. The amount I stood up to like that you fucker. just like yelled it. To this day, I'm like God. I and just he didn't, raped you. Yeah, I just like didn't have. I, I mean, where did that defiance come from? I it was, was so just good. Really mad. I don't know, man. I I'm was just, just really mad. I mean, I'm pretty dissociated from it now, so. Yeah. But I look back on that, like, in a weird dissociated way, and I'm like, wow, I can't believe. I was only, like, nine. Like, what or the Or six, or whatever. Yeah. Like. Really young. You would, like, be like, I don't think I, he would, like, be like, get a job. Why don't you get a job? And you'd be like, six-year-old, you can't get a job until you're 16. And I was I like, know. how did you even know that when you were six? I was like, it's not legal for six-year-olds to have a job, Dad. You'd be like, shut up. I would be like, you shut up. <laughs> it's just. 
My mom would be well, like, don't talk to your father that way. I would be like, he's not my father. Yeah. <laughs> that's so good. But that's just the sort of thing that people say is provocation. Right. You know? It takes two to make a fight. It takes two to make a fight, even if one of you is 56 and the other one's six. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, Patrick Stewart was brave. Yeah. He tried to protect his mom. He tried to protect his mom. And, and he's, he's doing, doing his, it now. He's, doing he's his still best doing it. Now. And that's amazing. And hero of the pod. Welcome to the team, Patrick Stewart. Shit, that was Brandy! Sorry. Um, we just heard uh, someone yelling out the window. They yelled, Hi, Aloe Vera, which is my, <laughs> what Brandy, my coworker, calls me at work. That was definitely her. I'm going to send her a text. You should text her. Be like, I heard that. I was just going to be creep. like. You creep. I was just going to be like, who's yelling? <laughs> Brandy. She said hi all over. She passes our building sometimes. And this she's like, really I always think of you. That's fucking, that's hysterical. Brandy. Do you have anything else to tell us about Patrick Stewart? I love him. He had alopecia. His son is named Daniel. One time his son played his son on Star Trek. He and Ellen, Ian McKellen are bros. It's cute. It's really cute. One time okay. he got in, he wore a lobster costume and sat in the bathtub and his wife took a picture of him. <laughs> it was really good. That's cute. Uh, there's a meme that's a picture of him as Patrick Stewart that says, use the force, Harry. <laughs> it's used to troll nerds. And that's good. I follow him on Facebook and he one time this he posted been... a picture of <laughs> himself picking apples. <laughs> This has been Survivor Team Go. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. What we want most, what we would just love. Is your stories. Is your story. Have you checked the email? Yeah, and I check it all the time. Every time we put up an episode and then in between also. Have we ever gotten an email? No. Well, we've gotten lots of emails from the website hosting service that we use, the different podcasting hosting services we use, no personal emails. Survivor Team Go at gmail.com. That's S U R V I V O R T A M. Nope. T T E A M G O at Gmail. At Gmail. Why don't you put this in like the description? I am going to. I was going to last time and then, and then you I heard something fast and forgot to do that part and was going to change it and then I never changed it. So I'm going to do it this time. This time. Our email address is going to be in the description. It will definitely be in the description this time. We would love to hear from you. You're the ones we care about the most. You're the ones we care about the most. Even more than ourselves and Patrick Stewart. Not more than Andrea Constand, though. No, she's a hero. She's a hero. She's a hero to us all. And Josefina Rivera. Audrey Lord. Audrey Lord. And Baca. And Toni Morrison. Anyway. Email us your survivor story. You could be featured on the podcast. Yay! Yay! It's hard to get person. people to come do they're, interviews. They're like, oh, they're like, oh, wanna... I don't, I don't want to talk about the most horrible things that have ever happened to me. And I'm like, what? Why not? <laughs> come on! Come on! It'll be cathartic. We have cats to pet. You'll feel better afterwards. Trust me. It's the first step on a long process. It's like being given the light. It's a long healing process. Your silence won't save you. Your silence will not save a you. A dead thing step coming out back of the to dark the light. And into the light. It's just like really difficult to do. It's but 
you'll like your guts it, being ripped out of you and then put back in again. It cannot be underestimated. But then you'll the be significance, better. the like healing power. It's of like the throwing up when you're really sick. Exactly. It's like you feel better afterwards. You don't want to throw up, but trust me. You need to. You need to. You need to throw up. You need to throw up or you'll just be Please sick Please come vomit on our show. You're going to feel so much better. We would love to hear vomit the up. vomit. How you were raped when you were a kid. Or it doesn't even or have to be Or as an adult. Or beaten. Or systematically like made to sit in a small chamber or something. I don't know. Yeah. Or you could just, you were lost in the woods. You're wonderful and we love you. We love you guys. Email us. Email us. Get at us. Get Hit at us, up. us. Hit us up. I don't know why they're slang. Join us next time when we talk about voting Tiffany off the island. We still haven't watched any Survivor. I have literally never seen Survivor. I've seen it, I think. There's torches. You, you pass the torches oh, around. Do you? I think you sometimes sure? you light the torches. I don't know about that. With other... Torches. torches. Also, there's a guy who's like, here's the rules of the competition. He's always like this, douchey and has hair gel. You get Paul? pizza as a reward. His name okay. is Paul Cub. It doesn't matter. Paul Lithin. Bye, Survivor. Bye. Bye.